As we begin this morning, I want to ask a question. I want you to be thinking about this as we're, we're going to work through this passage that we're going to look at today. But what do you do when you get really, really great news or something really exciting happens in your life? Uh, maybe it's you get a promotion, uh, you get a new job, your kids do something really great that you're proud of. Um, what's the first thing you do? Or maybe you get a great gift at Christmas. And it's, as I was thinking about this, a lot of times the first thing we do is we go tell somebody. We go tell a friend or we pick up the phone or we call them. I was thinking, you know, along these lines, great news, something happens. When, when my uh, children were born, when they first, uh, you first see your child and you hold them. And, and to, in today's world, instead of if calling, it's take pictures and then send the message, send the text message or the picture message. That's what I did. Literally, once they get the slime wiped off and all that stuff, you took the picture and you started sending it because you wanted everybody to know you're so excited. Um, I'm going to embarrass my niece a little bit. She made the basketball team this week, and I got a text from her mother that said, Emma made the basketball team. And, and that's what we do. We do that a lot when we get good news. We want to tell people, this is exciting. I want somebody to know what happened. And uh, as we think about that a little bit, that's what we're going to see today. That's what our main text, what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be talking about uh, the wonderment of what God has done for us and the need to go tell. Um, that's what we're going to see as we've been, as we've been doing. Uh, we've been walking through the scriptures and we've been saying we're, we're doing this series called Walking with Jesus and what he did and where he went. And we're going to see what he says about this subject today. It's what we call in the church. If you've grown up in the church, we call it evangelism. That's, that's the, the church word for it. Uh, telling the good news, telling the gospel, sharing the gospel. A lot of other ways we say it. But when you say evangelism today, a lot of times uh, people start to object. In our culture today, that's a big no-no. When you start to talk about evangelism and people will even say, oh, Christianity's okay, but it's, all, it's okay and Jesus is all right. But this stuff about trying to tell me about it, uh-uh, that doesn't work. And what I want us to see today is to consider how Jesus looks at this and how central it is to our faith. Because what's happened is those objections have arisen and people start to say that. I've seen it even within the church and within Christians. They kind of go, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't. I should step back. I shouldn't say that. And, and what we're going to see today as we look at this passage is you can't do that within Christianity. If you take that out, you no longer have what biblical Christianity is. You can't, you can't leave that part out. So what we're going to look at this morning to consider this is in, is in John chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 27 through 42. And really, this whole passage, all of John 4, kind of speaks to this. And we could have spent time on the verses before. A few months ago, um, maybe you weren't here with us, but a few months ago, we actually talked about Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. And that's the beginning of this passage. And kind of kind of chosen to start right after that, because there's so, there's so much here. But just so you know, we're going to start right after that. And if you don't know that story, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, call it the woman at the well, and they have this conversation, and basically Jesus is leading her to see who he is. And the conversation ends with, she says, she's thinking, maybe you're the Messiah, and he says, I am. And then she runs off to go tell. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up in John chapter 4, right at verse 27. She's gone off, and his disciples walk up, and that's kind of, or she's about to go off, and the disciples walk up. And that's kind of where we're going to be this morning. So let me read verses 27 to 42, and then we'll look at those and look at what Jesus says about evangelism and sharing our faith. So it says, Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. And no one said, 
What do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left with her water, left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he, t- he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is this is indeed the savior of the world let's pray and then we're going to look at those verses together dear lord we thank you for your word uh we just we confess this morning that we need you we need your holy spirit to come and move and to open our eyes and our ears to soften our hearts to to receive your word i pray that you would come and do that that you would uh illuminate it for us that you would make us to see it clearly that you would convict our hearts on things that need convicting. And I just pray that you would uh, be at work here. Uh, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all you've done. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're talking about, this passage, what we're looking at, the way Jesus talks and what he says, and we're going to look at in a minute, even when he says, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me, his food and what he's talking about is evangelism. He's just spent time explaining to this woman and he's telling them that's that's the context here, the immediate context. And we're talking about sharing your faith in this passage. So as we talk about that, as that's the main thing over this three questions I want us to ask to help us to see this more clearly. And the first is, why do we need to do it? And the second is, how do we do it? And the third is, what is the outcome when we do when we start to tell? So first, we're going to start with the first one. Why do we need to do it? And uh this could be a really simple point. We're going to spend a little bit of time on it. But the, the very first reason that we're to do it is because Jesus commands us to do so. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in him, you are now a believer, you are commanded to go tell what he's done for you. And he said it over and over. It's even in this passage, but he said it even more directly in Matthew 28, the last thing before his ascension. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he says very clearly his last command to his disciples is now go tell everybody what's happened. So he says it so clearly. Or even in John 20, Jesus, the very first thing after the resurrection, if you know the story, the disciples are up, they're scared and they're hiding out. And Jesus appears before him and he says, peace be with you. And then he says, as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. It's the first thing he says to him after the resurrection. Just as the father sent me, now I'm sending you out to go tell. 
So it's so clear. I mean, the very first reason we talk about why do we need to do it is Jesus commands us to do it. He tells us to do it in no uncertain terms. There's no this maybe he said this. I mean, he says it so clearly over and over. And that's what we see um, all throughout Scripture. And even as we're walking through the beginning of his ministry, what we've been talking about the last few weeks, you see this thread of going and telling so interwoven in what Christianity is and who Jesus was and what he was about. If you start to take it out, it all falls apart. It's not it's not Christianity anymore. And uh, we've been seeing that each week when he comes and he says, I declare the kingdom is at hand. And then he starts to tell him what that looks like. That's what he's doing. He's coming to tell what God is doing. Um, when he goes into the temple that we looked at last week and he tells them how all of this points to me. He's telling them. He's telling them the good news of what I've come to do. And he's coming to tell. And then he's telling us to do the same. So you can't really separate the two out. You can't pull them apart. Um, right before the crucifixion, when Jesus stands before Pilate and they're talking and they're going back and forth and he tells Pilate his answer about what he's there. He says, I've come to bear witness to the truth. It's so central to what we believe and what our faith and who Jesus is that you can't take this part out. And even here in this passage in verses 31 to 34, look there with me with what Jesus says. He says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And when you look at the context here, this coming right on the heels of him sharing with this woman and what he's telling her, he's saying, my food, what I came to do, I came to do what the father told me. And that food, the reason I don't need food right now, he's on this kind of re-energized, even though he hasn't eaten anything, it's because of the conversation with what's happened there that he's talked to her and he shared with her and now she's going off to share with others. And he says, that's the, the will of the Father. So you see how interwoven that is to the way Jesus went and the way he talked and the way he acted. I say this almost every week. And before we move on, I have to, I have to say it because we have to be so clear. Because what we're talking about is sharing the good news of the gospel. What Jesus Christ has done for us. And if we get that part wrong, what it is we're to share, then this is what, the rest of it would be a waste of time. So let's just be real clear. The good news of the gospel is not some moral code. It's not some things that Jesus said, okay, now go do these things. And if you do them well enough, I'll accept you. That wouldn't be good news. That would be crushing because none of us could ever do it fully. The good news is Jesus coming to say, I've done what you couldn't do for you, And now I'm giving it to you as a free gift. That's why it's good news. That's what the gospel is. That's what uh, uh, Jesus actually calls it harvesting here. That's what he's talking about. It's going and telling people what God has done for us. Um, and then we go and just say, this is what he's done for me. Not here's some rules you follow. There's a big difference. So we make we got to make sure we have to say that. So most simply, we could say it that evangelism or sharing the gospel or spreading the good news or harvesting any of those things is simply going and telling what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's it. You're just telling people what he's done for you. Um, there's a song that I really uh, resonates with me a lot, and uh, it's by a band. I'll just leave them un unnamed, but if you know me, you would know who they are. But uh, there's this song, and it says uh, real clearly, um, it says, Every day... 
I die again and every day I'm reborn and I wake up and I find the courage to walk out into the street with my my arms out and sing of a love that cannot be defeated. I found grace and it's all I found and I can breathe now. And I love that song because what that says is exactly what a life of evangelism, of spreading the good news should look like. Kind of in poetic terms that we wake up each day with the beauty and the wonder of what Christ has done for us, and we walk out and we have an opportunity to sing with our lives what he's done. That's what we're talking about when we say evangelism. I'm just looking for ways. I'm walking out to go out and tell what he's done for me. And that's really what we're saying. And uh, a lot of times when you start to talk about it, and you say evangelism, and it's so important, and we start to say that, the objections arise in our culture, and they say, oh, just a second. You can't do that. I mean, people just literally say, you can't do that. It's okay for you to have your religion. It's okay for you to have your belief. It's okay that you care about Jesus, but you can't enforce that on me. You can't tell me. Right? That's, that's kind of the objection today in our culture, and that happens quite often. And maybe you don't have that objection. Maybe you do. And if you do, if you have that objection, I want you to know as you come and you sit here and you come to this church, we welcome your questions. If you don't understand and you think, whoa, that's very closed-minded, that's very narrow, that you would say you have to come to God this way, I would love to sit down and talk to you about that. And we welcome your questions. We want you to be here if you have those questions because that's part of who we're to be and what we're to be about. So those questions are welcomed. But maybe you don't have that question. You say, well, yeah, yeah, I know that within Christianity. I get it. But the reason I want to stop and talk about this for just a second is what happens is that is so pervasive in our culture. I've heard many Christians who have put their faith in Christ and then they say, well, but when it comes to telling, who am I to say? I've actually heard people say that. Who am I to go and tell somebody else that they're wrong? Or who am I to say this is the only way? And the reality of that is you're missing the very heart of the gospel if you have that objection. Because what we're saying is, what Jesus was saying, what Scripture points to is this is God's truth and this is the way that you come to Him. And it's not who am I to say, it's, it's God's already said. There's a big difference there. So I want us to just consider for just a second what's behind that objection or even what's behind that when we say, oh, who am I to say? And um, the reality is if somebody says, oh, you just keep what you believe over here and I'll keep what I believe and you can't tell me and don't do that and that's narrow-minded, what's behind that is a lot of times people will say, well, we can't know what's true. There's kind of two ways they go. They either say all religions are wrong and all that's just hocus-pocus and it's all wrong and that's one one or they'll just say they'll try to sound more uh, more forgiving. It, we just can't know. Right. That's that's a, another one. And maybe you've heard that before. We just can't know. So you can't tell me. But what's underneath that? What underneath that objection is if I say we just can't know or somebody says, oh, they're all wrong or you just can't know what they're really saying is I know the truth. And the truth is you're all wrong. That's what they're saying. They're doing the very thing that you would be doing if you say, let me share the gospel with you. They're doing the exact same thing. And the only reason I bring that up is you will, you will, if you begin to share your faith, you will come into contact with that exact objection. And it gives you the opportunity to just clearly and as lovingly as you can say, well, let's look at what's under that. Because the reality is they're doing the same thing you are. 
And the sooner that we can come to that, then we can have an open discourse of why we believe what we believe. Instead of just saying, no, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. So it's just, I, I say that if you have that objection, that you'd clearly look at it and really think about what holds that up. Or if you don't, that when you come into contact with it, you can answer that. And then hopefully you can move into a dialogue where you can start to share your faith and speak openly with other people. So the first reason, what we have on why do we need to do it. First, Jesus commanded it. If you're a Christian, he commanded it. The second, but the second reason is it's the truth. The Bible says all the way through it, it's the only way that you come to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. And that's it. God says there's only one way. So when you take those two, there's, there's the why. The why we need to do it. So the second then comes is how are we supposed to do it? How are we supposed to share our faith? I was thinking about this the other day. When I was in school, in college, there was a guy who came a couple of times a year and he set up right in the middle of campus. And every person that walked by, he screamed at them. And he yelled at them and he told them that they were a sinner and that you're going to hell. And he just, venom, so angry. And uh, I remember it was so frustrating because I actually remember one of Joanna's roommates had seen that guy and basically was like, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity because of that guy. What is that? You know, and I bring that up to say that style of he would call evangelism is not in Scripture. That's not what it says. It doesn't say you go and scream in people's face and you get right up. There's a big component that's missing there because it becomes a, a pointing a finger. There's something wrong with you as opposed to. There's something wrong with all, with all of us, and let me show you what the difference is. So what is the way we're to do it? Because this passage right here actually shows us some really good ways that we are to be sharing the gospel. And the first one I want you to look at is verse 40 and 41. If you'll look there with me, it says, So when the Samaritans, actually start in 39, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He had told me everything that I did. And so the Samaritans came to him and they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. And what I want you to see, the first thing when we talk about how we're to do it, how we're to share our faith, we're to do it patiently and relationally. What you see is they come to Jesus and they have questions and they say, will you stay with us? And he says, yes. And I want you to think what that looked like for two days, Jesus staying with them. He stays with them and he shares meals with them and he stays in their homes and he answers their questions and they sit around and they talk and they they talk through this. And then it says, and then they believe because of his word. So you see the way Jesus even models taking that time to share with these Samaritans, which, by the way, were absolute arch enemies of the Jews and they normally didn't converse at all. Which, which that tells us, some, we're not going to go into it, but that tells us something too about the way we're supposed to share their faith, which is indiscriminately with all people, no matter who, who they may be or what differences we may have. But he stays and he answers the questions and he spends time with them and he, and he takes them, meets them where they are. So the first thing is we do it patiently through relationships. The second thing I want you to see is actually we're going to go back in John 4 because there's a great example here right in the middle of Jesus talking with the woman in the well. And what I want us to look at is verses 19 through 24 and see the way Jesus interacts with this woman because it gives us a great insight into how we should share our faith and the way we should answer questions. And what I'm, what I'm going to say for this point is essentially that we're to do it lovingly because that's what you see Jesus doing here with the woman. So he's talked to her. If you don't know the story, they're talking, they're back and forth. And uh, at one point he says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right, you have five. 
or you've had five and you're working on number six and she's, you know, taken aback. Because remember, we talked about this last week. Jesus sees your heart. He knows everything. There's no secrets. He sees all of it. And so he, he draws her in. And then so she asks him this completely, totally loaded question, right? Jews and Samaritans hate each other. They uh, worship in different ways. They worshiped on the mountain of Gerizim. Jews, uh, the Jews worshiped in Jerusalem. They have different ways. And so she asks him, okay, I'm going to, since you seem to be pretty good, you know all this about me, I'm going to ask this huge question. And that's what happens in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers, talking about the Samaritans, worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she asks him this huge, huge question. Now, Jesus could have easily said, you're wrong. And the Jews are right, which he does in a minute. But let's see how he does it. He doesn't just say it that harshly. Look at what he says. Look uh, right there in the first thing he says in verse uh, 21. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. So the first thing he says is your question's about to be irrelevant. He puts it in its proper context. He says, well, just a second. The question you're asking is about to completely go away because of what I'm going to do. Remember, just we'll connect it back to last week. Hopefully we're remembering this. But he says the hour is coming. Remember the hour? We talked about that. Actually, that was two weeks ago. The hour of when Jesus that's talking about his death. So he says when my death and resurrection happens, it's not going to matter where you worship. So that's how he starts. Then look at the second thing he says. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. So there's the you're wrong and the Jews are right. That's what he just said, right? But he started with, let's put this in context. This isn't that important of a question, but since you asked, you're wrong. And here's the right answer. So he gives her the truth, but he does it very lovingly. He doesn't just say, you're wrong and they're right. He kind of puts the the question in the context. Then he answers, and then look at the last thing he says. But then the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Do you see what he does? He says the time is coming where God is drawing people all together and it doesn't matter where. And that time is now here and he's seeking people to do so. He turns it back to her. He's seeking you to be a true worshiper. You're wrong on this, but I'm seeking you to be a true worshiper. You see what he does? He answers her objection. He meets her where she is. He tells her the truth, but he does it lovingly. Jesus models for us right here what 1 Peter 1.15 says. You're to give a reason for the hope that was in you, but do so with gentleness and respect. Right? He could have just said you're wrong, but he does it very gently and very respectfully, and then he turns it right back to her and says, but God is seeking people to worship him. You see how he does that. So he does it very lovingly. He tells her the truth in love, and he says it so clearly. So that's the second one. Third thing I want us to see on how we are to do it. And the third thing is we're to do it humbly. Um, and say it like this. We are to come alongside people as one sinner to another to show them how we're to be reconciled with God. Now, this is the one thing that when we say that one sinner coming alongside another, that it doesn't apply to Jesus. Right? Jesus isn't one sinner coming alongside another sinner. He's the one who did it for us. But us now is spreading the gospel. We're all sinners Everyone except Jesus, the only exception, we're sinners. So me or you or any of us sharing the gospel with anyone, it's just I'm one messed up person telling another messed up person how not to be messed up. (laughs) Essentially, that's what we're doing. And so when I say that, the example here is instead of looking at Jesus, it's looking at the woman in the well. 
right? The lady he's just talked to, that her life is a mess. Look at verse 29 when it says, she goes back, it says she left and she went back to the town. And then 29 says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Right? It says the same thing in verse 39. They believed of her testimony because he told me all that I ever did. Right? What is she saying? The woman goes and she says, what is all that she ever did? Right? Think about what she's saying. She goes back and she tells them, hey, I found this guy and he told me all the stuff that's so messed up about me. That's what she's saying. She lived in a small town. They would have known who she was. They would have known some of her story and what was going on. And so she goes and she says, look, I found this guy that knows everything about me, but he's inviting me to be a true worshiper. Right? So what you see is one person whose sin is exposed and is broken going and telling other people, look, I'm so messed up, but look what I found. Look what I found here. So humbly, you know, sometimes the, uh, the objection comes, well, evangelism is so arrogant and wrong and you're trying to tell people to be like me. Like, oh, I'm going to tell you how I got it all together so you can be like, no, that's not it. That's not it at all. Do you think this woman is arrogantly going to tell she goes and says, he told me everything there is. If you know anything about her in this passage and you look, there's no arrogant. What does she have to be arrogant about? Right? What she knows, what he told her is how messed up she is. So what we see is we come alongside people and we go, I am just as messed up and I've got all these things. And here's the answer. It's what Jesus did for us. Us together. Look at what Jesus did for us. Not you need to be like me. It's, I'm just like you, it's us together, and he did it for us. You see that? That's a huge difference. And so many times that objection to Christianity or evangelism comes out of a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. Because people think, oh, well, it's you telling me some rules that I need to do so I can be like you. But that's not it. Right? It's us telling what Jesus has done for us, and I'm just like you. Very, very different. Very different. And that's where we say humbly. So at the very center of very heart of being uh, sharing your faith in evangelism has to be a deep humility of who you are before God and how you're saved, and that's through Jesus alone. Without that, it's <laughs> people are right to say you're arrogant and whatever if you mess that part up. So it's coming alongside of them humbly and showing them. Uh, Rich Mullen was a singer, Christian songwriter, and he used to say, all I am is one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. And that's, that's it in a nutshell when we talk about humility of sharing our faith. So there's one last thing I want us to see on how we're to do it. Um, and this really speaks to the objection that maybe you have, and a lot of times we have as believers. You, maybe you became a believer recently, or maybe you've been for a believer for a little while, and you just don't feel like, I know that much, or I don't know that much scripture, or whatever. I can't, come on, I, I don't want to start opening that door because I don't have all the answers I'm not sure how somebody will ask me really hard questions and I won't know how to answer them. This text blows that away. Right? You can't have that excuse. And I want to show you why. Look at verses 29 and 30 again. Right? The woman goes, come and see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out from the town and they were coming to him. So that's the first part. But then look again at verses 39 to 42. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed in his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, 
and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So there's a couple things I want us to see here. First of all, what do we know about the woman? How long would you estimate she's been a believer in Jesus? Maybe two hours? Maybe? How super spiritual was she before this happened? Not at all, right? Everything we know about her is not, she's not that great. She doesn't have that much together. But what we see from her testimony is she goes out and it says she told them who he was and what it was and that people were coming to faith. Right? Verse 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She's been a Christian follower of Jesus for minutes, half a day, a few hours. And she goes out and she, and, and what does she do? That's what we started with. She goes and she tells, this is what he did. Right? This is what he did for me. This is what it looked like. And that's it. And people were coming to faith. So the first thing, if you've got that objection of, well, I don't know enough, or I'm a new believer, I don't have all the answers, it's right here, that God uses people from all different stations at all different places. And it, you have some, it's, it's great, I didn't even, didn't plan this, but if you were in Sunday school, we talked about how we become a giver by nature when we have Christ in us. That's exactly right. You see it right here. You go and you start to give and, and be outwardly focused and tell even from the very moment you come to faith. So that's the first part. But I say that, and if you have that objection and you go, I don't have all the answers and I won't know how, all those things. So I just told you, well, you still need to do it. But that's, it doesn't really take away the anxiety of it, right? If you have that objection, you go, okay, so she did it. I'm supposed to do it. I get it. But maybe that's still, Ugh, okay. What if they ask this or they, I really know I'm bad at this part of the Bible. And if they ask something about that, look at the the rest of it though, because what happens is um, it says many Samaritans from the town believe this is verse 39, told me all it did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay a couple days. So what happens is she goes and tells them and some believed and some are interested and they come back to Jesus, right? She brings them back and they go out together and they sit down with him and he answers questions and they talk and many more believe. And what I want you to see the last point on how we do it that we're going to look at today is we do it collectively. You're not on your own. Just because you go and share your faith with a friend doesn't mean you have to have every answer. It doesn't mean you've got to have all of it perfectly together and perfectly lined up. And you can say, I don't know. I'm not sure about that answer. I have a friend that might know that answer. Right? It's collectively we can help each other in that. And that's what we've been talking about over and over, the importance of the body of Christ and us coming together and working together and being. But more than that, much more than that, because you could say, well, yeah, friends and you've got backup, but her backup was Jesus. Right? The one she brought him to was actually Jesus. That's not exactly fair, right? You could say that and that, okay. But I'm going to tell you, that's not a, that's not a valid objection either. And the reason it's not a valid objection is the night before Jesus' death, he turns to the disciples and he says, I'm going away. And you know what? It's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Well, shoot. (laughs) That objection's gone now, right? Because Jesus says, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when you read through Scripture and you start to look and you start to see the role of the Holy Spirit, he comes and he illuminates your study. He gives you words to say. But more than that, in evangelism, when you start to speak the truth, it's not you that argues someone into faith. It's not your answer is so great that you tricked them into, okay, now I'm going to believe. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and opens their eyes and opens their heart to see who Jesus is. That is wonderfully comforting because it's not, you can't screw it up. 
This is what that means. He's going to be the one that comes and does it. And the wonderful truth of sharing your faith is God graciously allows us to be part of his plan. But he's the one that's going to come and open the eyes and and draw them. And he says, I want you to just go say it and I'll do the rest. Just open your mouth to tell them and leave the rest up to me. That's, that's, That's the truth of it. So when you go, oh, I don't have all the answers, that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. Ultimately, it's not going to be you who does it anyway. It's going to be the Holy Spirit who comes and does it. And even with that, within that, so that should be, I hope that's a wonderful comfort because it should be. But even within that, as you ask questions and you talk to somebody or you start to get to that point and then you get stumped, that's where, again, the body comes in. Pick up the phone and call somebody. I would love nothing more, nothing more than for you to call me anytime and say, I am witnessing to my friend and I'm not sure the answer to this. I will jump in my car and be there as fast as I can to help you. And, and it's not just me. There's lots of people in this church that would say, call me anytime for that. Anytime. You're not on your own. You don't have to have every answer. And if you're very open and honest with people and you say, I'm not really sure about that. I know what Jesus has done for me, but I'm not sure about that. That's okay. Because he can still work through that. So the second, that's the last part on how we're to do it. So the last thing, what happens when we do? When we actually step out and start sharing our faith, what happens? Look at verses 35 to 38. Do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? And this is Jesus talking to disciples. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. What happens when you start to share your faith is you start to see people come to Christ. You see it start to happen right before your eyes. And not only that, what he says, and I love the way Jesus says it in verse 36, is that the sower and the reaper rejoice together. Right? There's an excitement. There's a rejoicing that goes on. Because what happens is when you share your faith and someone sees the beauty of Christ, they align with what God is doing. The God of, you line up with the, what the God of the universe has for you. He says right there, and I uh, can't say it, any better than the way Jesus says it, he reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. What you're doing, what happens when that happens and you open your mouth and you share your faith and somebody comes to Christ, something has just happened that will reap eternal benefits. You see what that means? It's far greater than anything else you can spend your time on. Anything. Eternal benefits that you get. You reap and then you rejoice together. That's why Jesus can say in verse 34, my food is to to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish this work. He says, I don't need food right now because what I've just done, what I've just been doing and what I'm talking, it's the greatest thing there is. And it trumps all other things. I don't need food right now. I don't need to waste my time eating food right now. I just talked to this woman and showed her who I am. You see that? It's greater than anything else. So as we look at this today, and we're going to end here, but if you're not a believer, I hope you see why this is so important. I hope you understand why, if if you're not a believer, 
why hopefully there's Christians in your life coming up and saying, let me tell you this, and I hope you'll stop and listen. Because it is the most important thing, the decision you can make, thing that can happen. But if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus today and you've met him and you know what he's done for you, is there any reason at all that you shouldn't be doing this at every chance? Can you think of any good reason to not open your mouth and tell? Tell as many people as you can. It's the most important thing you can do. Literally, eternal benefits. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, your heart. That you would give us the, uh, the same way Jesus saw his mission as he came and laid down his life for us. And he came and he told and he pointed to Howard, to come to you, I pray that you would uh, light that fire in our hearts to be the same way, that we would be so quick to look for reasons to spread your name and to tell others and to point others to you, that we wouldn't, uh, that you would remove all excuses, that uh, all the things that we, uh, in our minds, can just... Uh, explain away why we should be sharing our faith. I pray that you would remove all those and we would see it as you do. That we would see so clearly the importance of sharing your love with others that it would consume us and that we'd be so excited about doing so. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.